Hello, and thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene, where we exist to help people take their next step in a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope that as you listen, you are both encouraged and challenged as you take that next step in your walk with Christ. There's joy in the house this morning. Amen. It's great to be together. There's nothing better in my week than than just being in the presence of the Lord and with his people. I've grown up to love the church. I grew up as a pastor's kid in the Church of the Nazarene and was not scarred for that for life. God used it in my life. And I just love his church and that it's so broad and so big and so encouraging and so real for us and to us today. It's a joy to worship together, isn't it? And we don't just worship by by lifting our voices in song. We we worship by giving ourselves to the Lord in prayer. And in these moments, we worship by giving ourselves to the word of the Lord. Listen, I, I pray today you don't hear my words, but you hear the tangible word of the Lord that speaks to us through his Holy Spirit, that changes us from one degree to the next, to be more like Jesus today than we were before we came. Do you expect him to do that today? Yeah. I do. I need him to. Otherwise, I'm just some guy that's all excited and up here probably yelling too much, right? I'm excited to see what the Lord is going to do in us and through us today. If you're watching online today, we're so glad that you're a part of our family. We believe that the Holy Spirit can speak to us as we listen, whether it's at home right now, whether it's in your car later this week as you listen to the podcast or the live stream, but we believe the Lord is still speaking to his children today and he is changing us. And so I invite you to turn to the book of Colossians chapter 3. We're going to pick up kind of where Ben left off last week. Had a good week uh, around here. I got to, as Brittany said, experience our first fair. We made our first rookie mistakes at the fair parade. Great event. We loved Nora. Loved the fair parade. Got to see so much, but uh, we failed to realize two things. One is that we needed to bring a chair. I'm still recovering from that a bit, if you know what I mean. And uh, the other was, uh, we had no idea so much candy could be passed out in one short amount of time. And so we literally were doing this, like pulling our shirts up and just, uh, thankfully, some kind people in the community uh, blessed us with a bag as we left to, to put that in. But we were so just grateful to be a part of this place that we call home. We've been grateful to be a part of many places in our past to call home to be a part of the family of God. Growing up as a kid, uh, our home often looked different than some of my friends. Uh, We were a home of faith. Our our parents, uh, my parents were just godly people that were seeking to disciple their children to be more like Jesus. And and it didn't take long to realize that looked different sometimes than some of my other friends' homes. And through this, uh, I began to realize, you know, church was just part of life. How many of y'all remember, like, church was Sunday morning, Sunday school, church, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and by being right next door in the parsonage, it was any time the doors were open, I was there. Like, it just didn't matter. Church was just part of our life. I attended Paulding High School, the Paulding Panthers, who, who got their first football win Friday night, I, I believe. That doesn't happen too often, at least in my past. So that's a, that's a big deal uh, for those of us that grew up in Paulding County. 
But I learned very early on something that I'm not sure was always good, but it's something I believe maybe we all do on some level, and that is we, we learn to compartmentalize certain things in our lives. We learn to compartmentalize work or church or family. Maybe it's home life. And I learned very quickly there's some things I do at home or there's things I say at home or behaviors I would act at home that, that I didn't do at church or, or didn't do or say at school and vice versa. There were conversations I had at school and things I did at school that I knew were not right behavior at home or in church. I began to learn how to compartmentalize things very well. That often was based on where I was and maybe even sometimes who I was with. And if I'm being honest, as that would go on, there was a moment in my life I realized this was exhausting. Extremely exhausting for me. And some of you here this morning, I I want you to, to hear this. Some of you are living that right now. You compartmentalized everything in your life and you're trying to manage it the best you can and you're exhausted trying to keep up with it. At home, I'm this person. At work, I'm this person. At church, I'm this person. With my buddies, I'm this person. I had a dear friend of mine from uh, a while back that worked in construction and I remember we were at church together and, and I had heard some things about the way he was handling stuff at work and I, I just kind of asked him like, hey, what's going on? And I'll never forget, he looked back at me and he just said, Dave, I can't be the same person at church as I am at work because people won't listen to me. You see, the language was different. The tone was different. What people thought of him were different. And he was exhausted trying to keep up his compartmentalized life. And over and over again, as we've read through Colossians, I believe Paul kind of smashes this idea that we can create of compartmentalizing. And over and over again, he's going to say, life is in Christ alone. And that life in Christ alone permeates all areas of our living. Not just the segments, not just the ones we feel like it fits in, but all. Colossians 3.17, we read, it says this. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, the next part is, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. You see, this is Jesus in your person or in your personal time as well. This is Jesus in your home. This is Jesus in your relationships. This is Jesus in your work. This is Jesus in your coming. This is Jesus in your going. And we could go on and on. And last week, Ben gave just such a wonderful message that was true to the word of God of living as Christ in your homes of wives and husbands and children. And it wasn't this affirmation of a cultural system, but rather a way of living as Christ, wasn't it? Husbands, love your wife like Jesus would love them. Wives, love your husband like Jesus would love them. Parents, love your kids like Jesus would love them. And kids, you're not off the hook. Love those parents, obey them, it says, like Jesus would. Listen, we don't do that by just doing better. We do that by trusting him to make us more like him. 
And some of us today need to stop believing we can do it on our own and say, Jesus, just help me to love more like you. And so we wrestle then today with the remainder of this text. And I have to thank Pastor Ben for giving me this. Thank you. I love you, brother. I appreciate it. It's impacted my life today. I hope it does yours as well. Can we read together? Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 22. Slaves. Isn't that a great word to start <laughs> the text? Slaves. Obey your earthly masters in everything. And do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence to the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the, from the Lord as your reward. For it is the Lord Christ you are serving Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. And so here's what I, I hope you'll just kind of give me permission to do and work with in our text this morning. If, if last week we wrestled with living as Christ in the home... I believe perhaps for our context today then, we wrestle with living as Christ in our work. So let's talk about that for a moment so you can understand my heart here. First we look at slavery that was part of a cultural system in Paul's day, especially in Rome. This word slave in the New Testament is a word called doulos, slave. It, it was widely accepted at that time, you see, one in every three to five-ish people were slaves. And slaves were uh, possibly many things. They could have been people captured by war. Slaves could have been people that owed a debt to someone, and so they came alongside of them to pay that debt back. It could have been a person that just felt they were unable to support oneself or their family, and so they entered into an agreement with a person that would be their master to help take care of their needs. Some of them were sold by family members so that they could support their family. Others were born into slavery. And yet some were given into slavery because maybe they committed a crime, and this was how they uh, made amends for that crime. Slaves in that culture also had a lot of different responsibilities of labor. It wasn't just always hard physical labor. Some actually held responsible positions and were very highly intelligent and sought after for counsel. Some were civil servants in the home and were considered at very high regard by their masters. Some were very skilled craftsmen, and yet some were warriors that were used in the arena as gladiators. Some were laborers that would be used to accomplish specific economic purposes. So, so slaves were very vast in what they offered to people. Here's what we know, though, as Paul, I believe, unpacks this to the church in Colossae, is that he's not fighting against the cultural system. But rather, he's providing a way to live like Jesus within that system. He's elevating in this text then the personhood 
of slaves. You see, in that culture, slaves had no rights other than the rights that were given to them by their master. And so by the very nature, just like last week, Ben had talked about Paul's inclusion of women and children actually elevated their value, guess what he's doing here as well? He's elevating value. He is telling these people that we're working and serving others, I see you, Jesus sees you, and we're elevating your status as a person. You see, Paul would never consider someone just something. Well, you're just a fill-in-the-blank. Paul was consistently elevating people through Christ so they see their identity in him. In fact, Paul would even refer to himself as a doulos, as a slave. He writes to Rome. He opens the letter to the Romans in chapter 1, verse 1, this way. Paul, and if you're reading from the NIV, it says servant, but you want to guess what that Greek word is there? Doulos. We've softened it a bit because of the language it means to us. But in that context, Paul was saying, I am a, a doulos, a slave. It's not servant. That's another word, diakoneo. I am a slave of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. Here's what I believe Paul was saying as a slave, or some might call a bond servant. That is somebody that is attached to someone for, for life. I believe he was saying to Jesus, I owe a debt that I can never repay to the master, to the one that gave it all. And so as his slave, I attach myself to him from this moment for all of my life that I might serve him as my Lord and master. I become the least. I become a slave to him and give him my very life because it's what he gave to me. Jesus even echoes these words as he speaks in the gospel of Mark, chapter 10. In verse 42, Jesus, it says, called them together. He says, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles, they lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. And then he goes on in 43 to say, not so with you. Instead, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And that is the word for servant, diakoneo. That is one that's willing to serve without giving any title. They willingly serve. But he goes on to say, and whoever wants to be first must be doulos, a slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve. You see, Jesus was given the title above all titles, and he gave his life as a ransom for many. So the question then I, I had to ask myself today, and I believe we need to ask, is, is this text relevant to us today? If we only make it about a cultural system, then the answer is no. If it's just about addressing the cultural norm of that time, the answer is no. You see, slavery across cultures in history, though, is not identical either, is it? Slavery in Egypt was very different from slavery in Greece and Rome, and slavery in America was very different even than this context. You see, we cannot compare all forms of slavery either as the same. And in fact, if we really want to be honest, we look at this slavery in the U.S. has been illegal for over 150 years, right? 
gets illegal. So what's this mean for us today? And I believe it's very similar in the sense that, that Paul did not seem to be making a case for biblical slavery, but rather a model for living that could be applied in their life of their time. And we can apply those today as people who live under authority and people who have authority over others, right? So in the biblical context, this would have applied to the home, as Ben spoke of last week, as slaves would have been part of the home unit. In our culture today, though, since that wouldn't be the case as we labor, I believe this takes us into the workplace. Living as Christ in work. Living as Christ as we labor. And it permeates all areas of life, right? Paul doesn't let us compartmentalize, and neither does Jesus. And though we're not slaves, most of us that are here today operate in this arena of either being under the authority of others, being over authority of others, or a good portion of us is both, right? We have people that we might be in authority over, and we also have people that are in authorities over us. And again, I say, the Bible is not going to let us compartmentalize. Can we be reminded one more time of Colossians 3.17? And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, help me, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So I want to ask you a question this morning. Do you find it hard to live for Christ at work? And some of you are like, nope, it's great. That's awesome. But some of you this morning are going, yeah, it's hard. It's not church. It's not the home. I have challenges and temptations in that arena I don't have in other places. And I believe the word of God today is for us. That he wants to speak into this area of life. And I believe if you're in school, this hits you too. If you're a teacher or if you're a student, I believe today Paul's advice to us in Christ can help us in our living for him in all areas. And the first thing, thing I believe we see in this text is to always remember something here. Years ago, Brittany was a substitute teacher, and, and she loved it. She was in a long-term position. It's how she made a lot of relationships early on. And she was a part of a meeting, and they were asking questions, and she offered what she felt like was just some really good counsel and advice to other teachers, only to be told by another teacher, you're just a sub. That may have been true, but in that moment, what did it do for her? Cut her down as if she was somehow less than somebody else that had a different title. Listen, this morning, I believe the enemy wants us sometimes to believe that. I don't know what you do in life. I don't know if you're a stay-at-home mom. All you all is stay-at-home moms or stay-at-home dads in this place. Man, bless you, you are never, can you look at me please, if that's you, you are never just a stay-at-home mom. You are never just a stay-at-home dad. You have value. Christ is elevating that status. You're never just a fryer at McDonald's. I got to fry hash browns this last week. It was beautiful. I was the best fryer, thank you, Bill. I was the best fryer I could be for Jesus. 
You're never just a master of the custodial arts. Did I elevate that title okay? You're never just a garbage collector. You're never just a student. Or can we go here? You're never just a CEO. That title does not define you. You're never just a branch manager. You're never just an assistant to the regional manor or an assistant to the assistant regional manager, right? Yeah, he's elevating these things. You are a child of God. You look at me this morning? You are a child of God. It doesn't matter what you do or where you're at in life. You are found in him alone. Your identity is a son and a daughter hidden in the gracious love of Jesus. Paul says that over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, doesn't he? This is the foundation that we begin on. And then he goes on. As a child of God, as somebody that has been given value by him, work as if you're working for the Lord. Paul's going to give three warnings to slaves in this text, people that were under the authority of others. One of superficiality, one of earning favor, and one of reverence. I'd like to talk about those just briefly here. Superficiality. Something that looks good on the surface, but the reality is it's not so good, right? I used to work, one of my first jobs was working uh, for a roofing company. Uh, they did other things. Some of you familiar with Dilly Door. Dilly Door employed me for almost four years, and mostly grunt labor of working on a roof. But I remember we'd, we'd be working, it was real easy to get lazy, especially when it was hot. We'd be sitting up there with our, you know, roofing shovel. I called them shingle eaters just because it sounded more manly, I think. And then we'd get word, the boss is coming, right? Only it wasn't quite that nice or it had much more colorful language. But in the, those moments, I realized the boss was coming. What did you do? You turn it up. Like, let's get to work, man. So we like, I mean, we are just getting it. So when the boss came, it looked like we were, we were working. Like, we were working hard. And so he'd see that and go, yeah, there's my boys. Man, look how hard they're working. That's this superficiality that, that Paul was speaking to these slaves about. Dude, don't just work because somebody's watching you. Work because you're working for the Lord. You see, superficiality is appearing that you're better than what you really are. And I want you to get a phrase ingrained in your head with me this morning. It's going to be on the screen. And all that we do, right? Do we have that? Maybe here. And all that we do, regardless of who is watching, here's what I want us to say. Do it for the Lord. Can you just say that with me? Do it for the Lord. And all that we do... Do it for, one more time, in all that we do, do it for the Lord. Thank you so much. That was glorious. I can move on now. Do it for the Lord. The second warning we see is that of earning favor. That is, I do it based on the extent of the reward. I had my first retail job in Paulding County at a place called Alco. I began wanting to work hard hoping my boss would notice. But it wasn't just because I was working hard hoping he would notice. There was ulterior motives, right? I worked hard hoping he would notice that I might get more money. 
Like, I, I want paid more. I don't want to just settle for minimum wage. So I'm going to work hard so that I could get a greater reward. And evidently in Paul's culture, this was common too. Slaves would work harder, or perhaps less maybe, depending on the reward that they would get for their work. It's tempting for us, isn't it, to work to our fullness because of the reward? Like, I'll work harder if I know the reward is greater. Have you been there? And yet the other's true too, isn't it? In fact, I've said it. Somebody asked me to do something early on, and I'd say, I don't get paid enough to do that. That's above my pay grade. In fact, if you come to me with something big in the church, I'm going to say, that's above my pay grade. Go talk to Justin or Ben. Right? I won't do that to you guys, I promise. But, but that is what we do when we want to earn favor. And Paul is speaking to these people laboring, saying, in all that we do, regardless of pay, do it for the Lord. Oh, you're slacking. In all that we do, do it for the Lord. Don't just do it for the money. Don't do it because you're not getting paid enough or because of what they're giving you. Do it because of the Lord. Thank you. You remember that today. Lastly, he talks about in his warnings this idea of reverence. Who we revere, who we think the highest of. And slaves were now being encouraged that they were to revere the Lord. Many years ago, uh, I had an opportunity to, to work for some people, and the guy that was in authority over us, I, I just didn't think too much of. Have you been there in life? Like, in my perspective, just wasn't a very good person. And so in that, as I look back and reflect, do you think I gave him everything I had? Because I had a flawed perspective that I was working somehow for him. And because he didn't meet my standards, I wasn't going to give him everything I had. Paul doesn't let that settle with people in his culture, and he doesn't let that settle with us today as we work. Because our ultimate authority, who we revere, is not our earthly administrators and bosses. Who is it? The Lord. And so we say again, in all that we do, regardless of our authority, man, you kids got this down. This is great. Colossians 3.17. Remember? And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And all you do, do it for the Lord. Lastly, he shifts here from those under authority to those in authority over others. He says, as a child of God, treat others fairly. You see, domination was strictly prohibited in that culture, as I believe it is to us today. This last week, I, I told you I got the opportunity to work on a fryer at the fair four hours one day. I slipped into that role the next so I didn't have to flip sausage patties. Thank you, Ben, for saving me from that. 
I, I remember after four hours of this, though, the first day I had forgotten uh, like a hat covering, right? And I remember leaving. I went to get my hair cut. And, and after I got my hair cut, my hair looked like a 50s greaser. Like, I'm out in the parking lot, like, just trying to shake as much of the grossness out of my hair as humanly possible. You know, that week for those scheduling wasn't always easy. Last week, Ben shared with us that Dave Lutz had shared, there's nothing beneath you. I want you to know this morning, and I think you already do. But Pastor Ben and, and, and Pastor Justin, they don't just say that. They model that. Last week I watched them pick up shifts when others couldn't or maybe wouldn't. Because nothing is beneath them. You know, I looked at that and I thought, man, he could have given more and some would have to the intern. Bailey moved in yesterday. Bailey, if you watch this, we love you and we're praying for you. Instead, someone regarded others before himself. That's what Paul is asking those in authority to do. Those of you that exercise authority over others in the workplace... Paul is asking you to serve as Jesus serves you. In all that we do, regardless of our authority, do it for the Lord. Teachers, if you're going to go into a school year, you're going to have a mess of students that you've been given authority over. Can I tell you, you can't do it on your own, but with the strength of the Lord. He will help you love that most difficult child like Jesus. My mom taught for years. And I tell you, there's not a student that walked out of her classroom, I don't believe, that knew how much they were loved. Students that failed tests, mom would call in. I remember one of them, and they were just having a real tough home life moment. She looked back at a student said, you know what grace is? It's something you don't deserve, but is given to you. She said, I want to give you another shot at this test. I don't think that student had ever been shown grace. Not telling you what you have to do and that there's not systems in place other than to trust the Lord to help you as you lead in positions of authority. And today as we conclude our service, I'm going to invite all of our staff and a few of our board members, if you guys would come. They have some stations here. Ben closed last week with communion. And we wanted to close this week with it as well because we believe that Christ doesn't desire that we compartmentalize these areas, but that we recognize He is in all and permeates all, even in our workplace. 
greatest thing we could think of to you in this place as pastors and people that serve you regularly is to serve you. And I was reminded this morning as I was talking to Cindy, the greatest thing we can serve you with is not more programs or more services or great worship services. It's not more events. It's not taking care of everything else. Those are all important things. The greatest thing we can serve you with is Jesus. The greatest thing you will receive this morning is knowing that you can be forgiven in him and that you can have life in him through the power of his Holy Spirit. And so as we serve you today, might you receive that from our hearts to yours, that the people that love you here only want Jesus for you, for your home, for your work, for your families, for everything that you do. And it's intentional today, too, that the pastoral staff here, we're the garbage collectors we're taking the leftover communion cups. It's our posture, it's what we desire to serve as Christ has served us. And so today, we're gonna do things maybe just a little different um, in the past, maybe some of you are familiar with this, but we're gonna ask that you all stand. And so we're gonna just if you could help us, we're going to dismiss by your row, starting in the front, moving towards the back, okay? Starting in the front, moving towards the back. If everybody would just move to your left, if you, somebody moves left and somebody moves right, we're going to have a little bit of a collision, okay? But if you could move to your left out of your seats and come forward, there's a station in front of you. If you would start with the bread, receive the cup, and then enter your seats coming then from the opposite direction, from the right. I think we can all get through this with grace. And if we mess it up, so what? We'll be fine. But this morning as we receive, might we receive from Jesus knowing that he desires that we live for him and love him in the home and the workplace. In what? All that we do, help me, do it for the Lord. Would you come at this time? Would you receive? Starting with our first rows.
And so today as we go, I hope you know I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit in you and through you to go be Jesus in your home, to go be Jesus in your workplace and trust that he can do immeasurably more than you ever thought possible. Man, I worked, uh, yeah. In working for a roofing company, I learned that you could use cuss words and prepositions, nouns. Man, every form of speech possible. I bought into that for a year, but I tell you what, the next year I felt like the Lord convicted me of this very thing. Dave, when you go to work, you don't go work for them, you work for me. And the Lord gave me power over my tongue. You struggling with that today? God can help you. And I want to tell you, I sat in a cube truck and a guy's name was Chuck. And they began changing their language. And he began asking questions about Jesus. I want you to know today as you leave this place, you matter. That God can live in you and through you to make a difference for the glory of Jesus Christ, our Lord. So go then, not in your strength, not in your power, not under anybody else's authority but his and not over anybody else's authority except that which he's given you. In the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we go to God be the glory. For God is good. And all the time, I love you guys. Have a wonderful week. Thanks for listening to this week's message from the Napoleon Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to join us each Sunday morning at 9 or 10.30 a.m. for weekly worship and community with other believers. For more information about upcoming events or ways you can connect, find us on Facebook or visit us at napnaz.org. Have a great week.